Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar. This is going to be episode 76 of The Informed Catholic. We are now in the third week of Lent. This is the third Sunday of Lent, so we're going to begin the readings. Please subscribe and share to the podcast if you like it. I really would appreciate it. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary of a Virgin and all the angels and saints and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison. Kiri Alision, Kiri Alision, Kiri Alision. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us. Saint Joseph, guardian of the church and terror demons, pray for us. Saint Michael the Archangel, pray for us. Saint Augustine, pray for us. Saint Jerome, pray for us. Saint Athanasius, pray for us. Saint Peter, pray for us. Saint Paul, pray for us. Saint John the Apostle, pray for us. Saint Francis of Assisi, pray for us. Lord, please bless this podcast and let the readings reach out to people's hearts. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> So the antiphon is from Psalm 25. My eyes are always on the Lord, for he rescues my feet from the snare. Turn to me and have mercy on me, for I am alone and poor. Okay, or there's a uh, optional one from, I think it's Ezekiel, chapter 36. When I prove my holiness among you, I will gather you from all the foreign lands and I will pour clean water upon you and cleanse you from all your impurities. And I will give you a new spirit, says the Lord. Okay. So now we're in the third week of Lent. And we are in, I believe, yes, still in year C. Okay. The, it's different for the uh, weekend. Okay. It's year B. And here we are, year C. Is it, no, hold on. I think I made a mistake. Hold on. It's year B. Sorry. Yep, year B. Okay. See? I don't know everything. Okay, so <clears throat> let's read it. This is uh, from the Exodus, the book of Exodus, chapter 20. The law was given through Moses. Okay, all right. A reading from the book of Exodus. In those days, God delivered all these commandments. I, the Lord, am your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that place of slavery, you shall not have other gods besides me. You shall not carve idols for yourselves in the shape of anything in the sky above or on earth below or in the waters beneath the earth. 
you shall not bow down before them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, inflicting punishment for their father's weakness on the children of those who hate me down to the third and fourth generation, but bestowing mercy down to the thousandth generation on the children of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave unpunished the ones who take his name in vain. Remember to keep holy the Sabbath day. Six days you may labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. No work may be done, then, then neither by you or your son or daughter or your male or female slave or your beast or by the alien who lives with you. In the sixth day, six, six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord has blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother that you may have long life in the land which the Lord your God has given you. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. Okay. Okay, hold on. I missed this part. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male or female slave, nor his ox or ass, nor anything else that belongs to him. The way the way it was broken, I kind of messed up. <clears throat> All right, so. All right. We're going to go through this very easily. Uh, slowly, that is. In those days, God delivered all these commandments. I, the Lord, am your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that place of slavery, the place of sin. Egypt represents sin, slavery, evil. Okay? It represents really man. It represents the corruption of man's imagination. And Pharaoh, it was looked upon as a god it's man glorifying himself in place of god and that was evil all right um you shall not have other gods besides me you shall not carve idols for yourselves in the shape of anything in the sky above or on earth below or in the waters beneath the earth you shall not bow down before them or worship them for i the lord your god am a jealous god okay inflicting punishment for for their father's weakness wickedness on the children of those who hate me down to the third and fourth generation okay bestowing bestowing mercy down to the thousandth generation on the children of those who love me and keep my commandments all right notice the third and fourth generation but he will show mercy to the thousandth generation to those who love me and keep my commandments we have to understand something. Idols, obviously referring, creating anything that is contrary to God, calling anything that is contrary to God a God, and giving God's attributes to these fake, phony gods. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean an idol, but an idol can be anything. It could be your job. It could be politics. It could be money. It could be sex. It could be, um, you know, 
things that you 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 could worship another human being and say and and think of this human being as God, like people look at kings and presidents and politicians as gods. That is not God, and that is the the danger of it, the danger of this whole thing. So, those who fear Him, meaning those who fear losing their relationship with God, those who fear that their place with God is um, taken away from them. Uh, you know, like you, you let anything interfere with your relationship with your loved ones. You don't let anything come in, in between you and your family. God should be coveted. You should covet this relationship, secure it and protect it and protect your faith because God is important. Now, you know, then it goes on. Um, this, that's important, you know, and you should teach it to your children, not let, not, you know, not teach your children to break these commandments and to observe these commandments. That's, this is a way to have a, a healthy family. If I had a family, I would do this. I would make sure that they love God and they believe in God and not let anything get in the way with the relationship with God. Okay. You shall not take the name of the Lord, your God in vain for the Lord will not leave unpunished. The ones who take his name in vain people, we got to stop taking the name of God in vain. I've heard people, the way they drop the name of Jesus Christ. And even with an F bomb in the middle of, of Jesus and Christ, like if it's his middle initial, there are people who just say, like they just swear drop the name of Jesus like nothing and some of them do it compulsively all the time and even say my God oh my God oh my God stop it and even saying the word the name Jesus Jesus Christ like uh, forgive me for saying it but you know what I mean just like that they would say it because I'm trying to give an example I'm not s swearing they got to stop this okay they have to stop it it's a, it, it, the name is holy, is sacred. It should not pass your lips in any vile way, in, in any way that you should not misuse the name or swear the name. Never do that. Stop it. Christ is sacred. The Lord is sacred. He, he is your salvation. He is your your life. He is the source of your life, the source of who you are. Never swear that name is sacred, holy, and beautiful and sweet. Protect it, guard it. Never let it pass your lips. Because every time you do, you're showing disrespect, but you're also showing contempt for the name of the Lord. Never do that. Okay. So moving on, something's going on out there in the street. Remember to keep the holy, the Sabbath six, six, six days. You may labor and call your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord, your God. No work may be done then neither by you or your son or your daughter or your male or female slave or your beast or by the alien who lives with you. In six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord has blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Okay. Okay. So that's another thing we've lost. 
There is no sense of sacredness anymore about Sunday. Sunday is actually treated like any other day. It's not treated as something special or holy or sacred. I hate to say it, but it's true. A lot of our, our fellow Catholics, it's sad. We've allowed Sunday to slip away. As Christians, Catholics and Christians, we've allowed Sunday to slip past us. I mean, I, I work at a cultural institute, a museum, and I've seen nuns come in on Sunday. I've seen nuns come in. People come in. Uh, I've seen religious people come in on a Sunday. And sadly, I hate to say this, but when we do this, when we allow this to happen, we, we deprive people um, we, because we're, we're letting these institutions open, businesses and everything. And then we're depriving people of the time to go to church. Those people are forced to work on a Sunday. And then a lot of them may not even have the opportunity to go to mass. I understand business. I do. But we should never have allowed that to happen. Because when we allow these things to happen, we sadly take we, we, by working, we take away the right from that person to go to church, to be spir spiritually nourished. Because when we're open, places of business, restaurants, or anything else, I know maybe what I'm saying is not going to maybe be extreme to some people. Maybe some people want to work on Sunday. It's okay. But for them, maybe because they're not religious, but still, I think it's scandalous when Catholics go on a Sunday. I think it's wrong. I've seen priests. I've seen nuns. I've seen church group. And I wondered to myself, is it really right that they should have come on a Sunday? Couldn't they have come any other day? And some people may think, well, what's wrong? What's wrong with the museum on a Sunday? Honestly, I just think you're depriving people of the time to go to church. I remember a reason why I say this, because I remember one of those televangelist ministers and he was at a food stand ordering food for him and his family. And he was talking to the guy behind the counter who was making the food. And naturally, of course, he started talking to him about church and the man behind the counter did not look very happy. And he said, no, he hasn't gone to church. And the guy tried to convince him about you know, why he should go to church. And he said, you know why I can't go to church? Because people like you keep coming here on Sunday and I'm forced to work. He's right. He's absolutely right. Because the food stand is open. Because people keep coming to the food stand on Sunday. After church. If we go to church, head towards the diner or head towards the Chinese restaurant or head towards the Burger King place. I hate to say it. We're forcing those people. I'm guilty of it. Everybody's guilty of it. Even the supermarkets open. Sadly, I don't know. Is it right? Is it wrong? That's up to debate. I think, you know, that's something that has to be figured out, but still we're forcing people to work. And therefore, those people will not go to church.
it's it's something to think about. All right, so. And then he goes on here, the other stuff. Honor your father and your mother. Now he says honor. Notice he didn't say love because God knows a difficulty between children and parents. He knows that. He knows sometimes it is very difficult because sometimes relationships are bad. He knows that, but that's something. Love is something that comes from the will. Um, that you may have long life in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not kill, again, mortal sin, as well as the other ones are more, can be mortal sin as well. Idolatry is mortal sin. Um, you shall not commit adultery, mortal sin. You shall not steal, mortal sin, but it depends on the degree of this, uh, what you steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, mortal sin. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, mortal sin. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, mortal sin, which is, goes along with adultery. Nor his male or female slave, nor his ox, ass, or anything else that belongs to him. All these are, are things that we need to learn. We need to learn them and we need to teach them. And that's something also what's important about teaching them is that your children will remember them. They'll remember this and they and and they will also you paying attention to them. You, the parent, are paying attention to your kids. And your kids will will love you for it. Because they'll always remember this. They'll always remember mom and dad teaching us the the word of God, teaching us how to be good good Christians. Okay, let's move on. Okay, Psalm 119, and the response is Lord, you have the words of everlasting life. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The decree of the Lord is trustworthy, giving wisdom to the simple. Lord, you have the words of everlasting life. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The command of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eye. Lord, you have the words of everlasting life. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true, all of them just. Lord, you have the words of everlasting life. They are more precious than gold, than a heap of purest gold, sweeter also than syrup or honey from the comb. Lord, you have the words of everlasting life. This is a very beautiful psalm, Psalm 19. You can change it to the gospel because the law, the word, and the gospel, it means the same thing. Yes, the law are rules and it guides us. All the, It has a purpose. We're talking about the law of Moses and everything. But technically, everything that God gives us is for our own good being. Like you can, this way, the, the gospel of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The, cre the decree of the Lord is trustworthy, giving wisdom to the simple. Okay, you can put down the word gospel. The gospel or the word of the Lord is are the word the word of the, of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The, com, the the word of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eye. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The word of the Lord are true, all of them just. The word of God is more precious than gold, than a heap of purest gold. The word of God is sweeter also than honey from the comb or syrup. It's you know, this is very important stuff for us. We need to learn this. And it's, be it's beautiful. It's beautiful how it's done here. You know, how God speaks to us. And, you know, meditate on it. 
you grow on it, you love it, you embrace it, you make it part of your life, you make it you make part of your existence. It's all important. You know, everything here. And Catholics should be familiar with the Word of God. We should not let this go past us. We should stick with it and, and, and keep it part of our lives. Make it part of our... We should be familiar with the Scriptures. We should be familiar with it and we should be familiar... You know, it helps us also to worship, to pray. Okay, so um, let's move on to the second reading. And it's 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22 to 25. We proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to many, but to those who are called the wisdom of God. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we are we, we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, all right, and foolishness to Gentiles. But those who are called Jews and Greeks alike, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wise is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Okay, one more time. Brethren, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those who are called Jews and Greeks alike, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. So, yeah, uh, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. Now, the Jews demanded that to prove to them that Jesus Christ is is the Messiah, is God, and is, is Jesus is he really is he really who he says he is, and no, uh, the he is. But Paul is saying they no matter what, no matter what, they never believed. They don't believe, and there are some of those Christians, Jewish Christians, who wanna at the same time still practice Judaism practice ceremonial circumcision, ceremonial dietary laws, ceremonial rituals, which Paul says is, is, is defective. We don't need it anymore. I mean, we know that Jesus fulfilled everything. So why do we have to practice it? To practice it is like saying he didn't get crucified. Is practice is saying the crucifixion is not enough. Practice is saying that Jesus Christ is not enough. That's wrong. There are Jews for Jews for Jesus who practice these things, and I think that's really wrong because it's foolishness. You you don't need it anymore. What you need is to be holy. Okay, those those things we don't need anymore. We don't need the dietary laws. We don't need the uh, the ritual laws. We don't need any of those ceremonial things. That's why this temple sacrifices had to end. But there are some I think, I think there are some Christians that seem to that seem to really want to be more Jewish than Christian. And that's scary. It's really scary because I can't understand why. I think it's because maybe they don't have a liturgy. They don't have the, the Catholic liturgy that we have. The, the Eucharist. The Eucharist is the most important thing for us. The Eucharist is the most important things for us. We need that and we need to practice that. We need to keep it. You know the Pascha, uh, 
the Paschal Mass, the Paschal Liturgy, the, the, the Lord's Passover is our Passover. It's He is our Passover and we he already we already made our exodus with him away from sin. When we were baptized into Christ, resurrected in Christ, and when we receive his body and blood, we and we and we go through the sacraments of confession and everything, con- confirmation, all that, he is our salvation. He is the fulfillment of all of it. And the intellectuals of the world can keep complaining and saying whatever they want, it doesn't matter. You can never satisfy them, never. And 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 there are a lot of people that it, it'll never make a difference. Whatever it is, it'll never make a difference. All right, let's move on to the gospel. Okay, the verse before the gospel. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him might have eternal life. John, uh, the gospel according to John, chapter 2, verse 13 to 25. Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Since the Passover of the Jews was near, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He found in the temple area those who sold oxen, sheep, and doves, as well as the money changers and seated there. He made a whip out of the cords and drove them all out of the temple area with the sheep and the oxen and spilled the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And to those who sold doves, he said, take these out of here and stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples called the, uh, recalled the words of scripture, zeal for your house will consume me. And At this, the Jews answered and said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews said, This temple has been made, has been under the construction for 46 years, and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. Therefore, when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they came to believe this, the, the scripture and the word Jesus had spoken. While he was in Jerusalem for the feast of Passover, many began to believe in his name. And when they saw the signs he was doing, but Jesus would not trust himself to them because he knew them all and did not need anyone to testify about human nature. He himself understood it well. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, one more time. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him might have eternal life. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John. Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Uh, Gospel of John, chapter 2, verse 13 to 25. Since the Passover of the Jews was near, Jesus went up to Jerusalem and he found in the temple area those who sold oxen, sheep, and doves, as well as the money changers seated there. He made a whip out of the cords and drove them all out of the temple area with the sheep and the oxen and spilled the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And to those who sold the doves, he said, Take these out of here and stop making my father's house a marketplace. 
His disciples recalled the words of Scripture, Zeal for your house will consume me. At this the Jews answered and said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews said that this temple has been built, has been under construction for forty-six years, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. Therefore, when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they came to believe the scripture and the, and the word Jesus had spoken. While he was in Jerusalem for the feast of Passover, many began to believe in his name when they saw the signs he was doing. But Jesus would not trust himself to them because he knew them all and did not need anyone to testify about human nature. He himself understood it well. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. One of the most um, famous lines, um, I think it was done very beautifully in Jesus of Nazareth. You know, when he, you see um, Robert Powell in the role of Jesus as he was knocking down all the money changers and and the crowds going wild. It was done beautifully. I think Franco Zeffirelli did it beautifully, and I loved it. And I love that, the way he did it. And it's very interesting the way um, when you put it all together, when you put it all together, you realize how much, what, what exactly God was, was saying to us through all this, all this prophecy, all this symbolism and everything. You see the the beautiful mystical connection connect the dots and the apostles understood it they saw they saw the symbolism they understood it after after pentecost after the resurrection and it probably it's amazing like it's it's an amazing work how he how god planned it all you know the human mind is just amazed by it when you when you believe it when you really do and you embrace it in your heart, you say to yourself, yes, I do believe it. I do believe what, 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 what happened in the Bible. I do believe that all this took place. He comes in riding on the donkey, Palm Sunday. The people are dancing and cheering. The, the, the prophets, of the, the kings of Israel had to ride a donkey they could not come in on a ride horse uh, on, on a white horse. You'd think a king should ride a, a ride horse, but on the day of his coronation, the king had to ride a donkey as a sign of humility. And he comes in, and he walks up into the into the into the temple, enters it, and he sees all the the uh, the merchants and people were busy with with money changing and everything and, 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 and all the stuff that's happening and it's turned into a business. It's turned into a business and that's exactly the problem. People keep turning. Man has a tendency of taking God's God's word and making it into a business. You see that with these, with these televangelists riding around on these fantastic planes. They got good suits. They got 
oh my goodness. I mean, they got a Colgate smiles, almost shameful. I mean, you know, like, like Joe Osteen and there's a guy who made a Joe Osteen video because Joe Osteen would not allow his, his mega church to be used as a shelter during the flood. And you see that around and you see that they get very rich. He lives in a, he lives in a fantastic mansion with Italian marble. It's fantastic. It's almost amazing. And he lives in Texas because it's tax free, uh, is tax free in around that area. It's amazing. And you see all these, these televangelists, you see them with, you know, the way they live, they live fantastic. And the, and the thing is our bishops, whenever they have their, their conferences, they go to the best hotels. They eat pretty good. They also fix their mansions. They fix their, their bishop uh, residence very well. They, I heard they have a fantastic, uh, you know, residency, the way they live. You know, and everything. And it's shameful. It's a shameful thing. But they turned what what Jesus is angry is that the sacrifices and burnt offerings have been turned into a business. It's a functioning business. And the high priest turned it into turned it so, made it so. Originally you were supposed to buy you were supposed to provide yourself the lamb. And what happened was they decided you have to buy the lamb from them. You have to buy the, 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 the ox from them. You have to buy the dubs from them. And they turned it around. And you're supposed to take care of it, the fam- especially the Passover lamb. You know, the family's supposed to take care of it. They're supposed to take care of it. They're supposed to make sure it's okay. And then instead, no. You got to buy it now from the high priest. They ran, uh, it became an industry for them. They, they provided it. Jesus comes around and just turns it, turns the whole thing upside down. Now he's the lamb. Now they don't need it anymore. He knew, he knew what he was doing. He knew some think maybe he did it twice because of the accounts, the way it was, the way it was written, that he might've done it on his first year and he might've done it on his, um, second year i'm not too sure that's still up for debate but it's a possibility he could have done it and he came and did it again but that's not exactly too sure i think you know there could be a possibility but then again if it's if it's not true it's not true because the accounts are slightly different but still i do believe that he did that he did he had to make his announcement because they don't need to do these sacrifices anymore. And he said so. Destroy this temple. And in three days I will raise it up. Meaning the temple of his body. They thought he was out there. They thought he was out there. And they were watching him. And of course, this of course happened in the week of his passion. And that was an amazing thing. It was an amazing amazing uh event but it did it happened in the week of his passion and that was important because he had to he had to gain the attention jesus had to push some people's buttons in order you know and he did that with the pharisees and he did it with the high priest so he had to push some people's buttons to get to get things done and it's a beautiful unbelievable connection when you read it when you put all the gospels together it's remarkable all right, so um, let's move on to the Nessing Creed. 
I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation he came down from heaven, and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried, and rose again on the third day. In accordance with the Scriptures, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wild, wicked attack of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And now, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. <clears throat> well, uh, it's the end of this episode. Um, I think one of them, I want to say a little bit more about the passage in John's Gospel. The passage of Jesus saying, destroy this temple. I think it is one of the most, I think, dramatic moments. It's, it's a dramatic moment. I mean, there's several dramatic moments. I mean, Lazarus' resurrection is a dramatic moment. It's unbelievably powerful. It's a powerful moment and a testimony to who he is the power of life and death, the power to bring a man back to life, the power to, to give life, to call uh, a man's soul back from the netherworld to, to animate his body. And, you know, that's power. And the fact that he challenged, that was the, that was the church of their day. That temple was the church and the authority of their day. That was their Vatican. That was their St. Peter. And that this, these were fantastic, unbelievable events that were taking place. The world was changing. It was changing remarkably. And, you know, the people did not know it. And I think we're about to face something like that. I don't know what it is. I'm not a prophet. All I know is I think something is happening. I think we're going to see God making his move. And I think, you know, he, he's always making his move. He's making his move even now, but people are, are, you know, you know, the interesting, the other day I was listening to someone who was talking about the fact that we could be going to the trial of the church. It may be one of the trials. 
no one knows. No one wants to make a prediction on something. Trust me, especially after this election, <laughs> you know, seeing what happened. But the thing is, you know, we know who won it, but it definitely wasn't Joe Biden. But the point is, is that there are changes happening. People themselves, a lot of people who have lost their faith and have put their faith into something that is human and frightening. It is frightening. And we have to respect the image of God. The fact that they're going to this whole transgenderism, this whole equality act, they're trying to create something that is absolutely obscene and abnormal and hideous that is not made by God, but it created out of the, out of the sick minds of sinful people. The fact that they're attacking women's sports and giving rights to men who, who think that they're women is dangerous. Dangerous. It's attack against the woman, an attack against the the image of that God created. It's unbelievable, but it's frightening. All right, I'm gonna end it here. We'll be back again soon for Mondays. All right, God bless, stay safe.